Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being with you tonight. And uh, by mentioning that it was Lee who chaired the committee, that means you can either congratulate him after I've been here a while, or you can blame him uh, one way or the other. So that puts him on the hot seat, but uh, I've really really appreciated him, uh, his leadership of that team, and uh, getting to know him, and then learning about his leadership here in the association, uh, and so I'm thankful for him. Um, I'm also thankful for you as a church. You are very supportive of the work and ministry of the Brushy Mountain Baptist Association, as well as the Hope Ministry, which is... Uh, you know, two ministries that are really together as one. Uh, we work together. We partner together. Uh, John is doing a fantastic job leading that, and you know that, many of you, if you know him, what a great job that he has done, and uh, uh, I'm excited about that. That's one of the things I brag about almost everywhere that I get to go, and so uh, I'm thankful also. We've uh, hit the ground running, trying to be in as many churches as we, as we can, and by the end of this month, uh, I was looking at the list, and we will have been in half of our churches uh, by the end of this month, and so look forward to getting to the other half, and so uh, I hope that you'll pray for us as we do so. Um, I want to share with you, first of all, my wife is over there, uh, Barb, wave your lovely hand. She is a school teacher, teaches fifth grade at Mulberry Elementary School. Uh, and has taught every grade in elementary school except for second grade. And I'm not sure why that is, uh, but uh, she's a fantastic teacher and been doing it for a long time. And so uh, she's really just a, a great supporter of mine, and, and I love her to death, and she's a, a wonderful wife and partner uh, in life. We have two boys. I'll just quickly say something about my oldest son. Uh, after I met with pastors before they presented me to the association, uh, Chris happened to be here be on that night. It was actually at the associational office. And uh, I called my son, Michael, and I said, uh, I met a man who teaches at Fruitland. Uh, his name is Dr. Chris, and I just couldn't remember the last name. I, I just kind of lost it. And he said, Dr. Hefner. He knew exactly who I was talking about as soon as I said, his first name, and he said, oh, he was one of my favorite professors, and so I don't know how much you owe him for that, but uh, uh, you, you can give it to me, and I'll make sure he gets it, but he and his wife are down in Red Springs, North Carolina, uh, which is in between Fayetteville and Lumberton. He's an associate pastor of youth at the First Baptist Church there, and his wife and he have been married for about a year and a half. He's been at the church for about a year, pastored a small, tiny, dinky little church bivocationally for two years uh, right near our former church before that. Our oldest, that's our oldest, our youngest is Daniel. He lives with us and uh, he, he kind of tours around the state of North Carolina going to college campuses recruiting students to get involved in conservative political action groups. And so if you're not conservative, I'm sorry. If you are, then uh, you know I don't know what to say about that. But uh, he does a good job with that. He's on UNC Greensboro, and he goes to Western and Lenore Rhine and uh, up to App and just all over the place. And so 
uh, he decided to come and live with us since that's more a part of the area where he is over. So uh, just a little bit about myself, uh, you know, if you cared. And uh, just know that I am here for you. If, if there's anything I can ever do for you as a church, uh, your pastor, I've already told this, but my mission and cause is to help you to reach your community for Jesus Christ and make disciples of all nations. That's why I'm here, just as succinctly as I can put it. So how can I help you is my question to you. Feel free to call anytime uh, and, and you want to get a hold of me, and I would be more than happy to do whatever I can to help you as a church and you as a person as well. But let's go ahead and just, uh, uh, I know we had an extended time of prayer. Prayer is an important part of what we do, and so let's have just a brief prayer as I begin. <clears throat> Father, tonight I'm thankful for the privilege of being here and sharing with this congregation. I'm thankful for all that I have heard from their pastor through their podcast and learning what he has been teaching this church, and I pray that you would help them as they follow him. Lord, I pray that they would appreciate him during this Pastor Appreciation Month uh, by serving you and building your kingdom in the ways that he is leading them to do so. Thank you for that. But now, Lord, we ask that you open up your word into our minds and our hearts and that you would help us to commit ourselves to being obedient to all that you have called us to through your Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. One thing I didn't tell you is uh, I grew up in Wisconsin and uh, spent a lot of my time, uh, my very early years there. And one year we took a, a mission trip as a, a group. And we went to the north woods of Wisconsin. Now, if you're not from Wisconsin, you don't know what that means. But that just means uh, bug central. That's where all the mosquitoes live. And we went camping. And so that's where we stayed is in a camper, uh, which was really an old school bus converted into a camper. And every night after we got done with our work, we were doing door-to-door -door survey work. And then we would have devotions together as a team led by uh, our leader, we would then go over to, uh, there was this little office that was more of a little store, a little general store, and we would each get, you know, our favorite soft drink and candy bar. For me, it was a Mountain Dew and a Snickers, and uh, we would sit there. They had a TV on, and so we got to watch television. Been, we were told, you won't get to watch TV while you're there, and then we went in there and got to watch TV. I remember watching MASH reruns, and it was fun, and uh, Outside of that store, there was one of these bright blue bug zappers. And you could hear that thing go all night long. I mean, it was just constant. Uh, and as I thought about that, I thought, you know, that, that got annoying. But those poor bugs, you know, they got attracted by that light. And then they're gone. And you know, a lot of churches are bug zappers. A lot of churches draw people in with glitzy things, exciting and entertaining kinds of things, uh, maybe even uh, traditions that people are appealed to. And then when they get involved, conflict starts to hit and they feel the zap. Many of them lose their faith or lose their excitement or their joy uh, for the work of Christ. Some of them even stop going to church, and they leave. 
And one of the reasons for this, I think, is one of the great sins of the church, and that is gossip. Do you realize that gossip is one of the most destructive things in the modern church? Here's why. If you have a problem, what does the Bible say that you should do if you have sin in your life? Your sins confess to one another and go and pray for one another because the prayers of a faithful person are incredibly effective in your life. Wouldn't it be great if we could, uh, right now, in this moment, I could just pause and say, do you have sin you need to confess before this congregation of people? And you knew that you'd get up here and you'd confess your sins and the people here wouldn't think badly of you. Instead, they would love you and they'd commit to pray for you and would then do so. And who knows, in a few days, they'd call you up and say, hey, Kevin, how are you doing in that area of your life? Can we get together and talk about it? Can we read Scripture together? Do you need someone to help disciple you? I would love to do that for you. But instead, we try to zap each other over those sins. But what we really need is to be people who connect with one another by connecting with Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we love one another with the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. I'm thankful for the great example of your pastor. Uh, as I've seen and observed uh, in this short amount of time, he's someone who sees the value of connecting people together. I've heard him preach on, uh, through his podcast. I've heard his church members talk about him and what a fine job he has done in that area of connecting people, bringing people together. And I wasn't asked to do this. I didn't tell him I'm doing this, but I'm doing this because we need pastors like Dr. Chris Hefner. And we need church members like many of you that I have met as a part of this church. And so what could we be instead of a bug zapper? The church needs to become a beehive instead of a bug zapper. What does that mean? What in the world am I talking about? Well, maybe some of you out there are beekeepers. I don't know. And so I might very well make myself look really stupid as I try to describe this because I've never kept a beehive. <laughs> but I've looked it up and tried to read about it, tried to understand. A beehive is something that's not natural. They have natural places where bees live. But these are what beekeepers create, and they do so in order to keep bees. And bees are really important in our ecology. And they have a queen bee that's kind of the, the center of the hive. And they come in and they uh, live in these hexagonal shaped uh, things inside of the beehive. And they go out. And while they go out, they do what? That little thing in the flowers and in the plants. And did you know they even pollinate in vegetables and fruit? Yeah. And, and they do that, and they spread this all over, and then they come back and they collect the honey inside the hive. What they're doing is they are doing something productive both outside the hive and inside the hive. They are effective in both realms, both areas. Now, I know that's an incredibly simplistic description, and somebody in this room might come up to me, you know, you didn't get it quite right. Please forgive me if that's the case. But I think I got the general basic gist of it. 
And what happens is Christ has put us together in the church in order to have an impact both within and without. And by connecting with one another, we can then draw other people in. And what I want us to do is take a look at a passage of Scripture that includes one of my very favorite verses in my whole life. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That was the very first verse I ever preached on as a 17-year-old boy in my home church of Northwest Baptist Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Boy, I thought I had a humdinger of a sermon. I got up there planning to really just let them have it, and it turned out I probably had about 22 points, and it lasted about eight minutes, okay? And, and uh, nowadays, I usually have about two points, and it lasts about 80 minutes, but I promise you, I'll get you out of here uh, before that is over. But instead of looking at that verse, my favorite verse, I want us to look at the beginning of this passage. You see, there's something really important in this passage. It talks about a concept that I've been uh, stating over and over again everywhere I go since I've become the director of missions here. And so I want us to look at it together. John chapter 15, uh, beginning in verse 1. And I'll read down through uh, verse 8. John chapter 15, verse 1, down through verse 8. Now, just as a little backdrop, this is... An important passage because it's a sort of Jesus' last will and testament. This is his teaching of his disciples the night before he will be crucified. Uh, they're in the upper room, and there are several chapters in a row where he does some of the most important teaching. We get his teaching about the Holy Spirit in this passage. In John chapter, I believe it's in 17, he literally prays for us. Well, I don't mean us as in the church universal. He prays for you and me. Now, obviously not by name. Uh, The name Kevin is not in the Bible. But it talks about praying for those in the future church. And so if someone ever wanted to know, did Jesus ever pray for me? Yeah, he did. Now, it's a little bit more general than that. But in John chapter 15, he says this. And I, again, will read verses 1 through 8. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and you will be, or so you will be, my disciples. Now, as we look at that passage, uh, Jesus likely had an Old Testament passage in mind. 
Isaiah chapter 5 probably was in mind as he thought about this and shared this with his disciples. Um, <clears throat> and, and in the passage, you know, he, he's uh, sharing and talking about this idea of a vineyard. And in Isaiah, he is giving us a song about a vine dresser and a vineyard. Uh, it's one about uh, the loved ones that in the vineyard and how very fertile the hill can be on which it is planted. And as they're in this, uh, he hopes that they would be obedient and faithful and produce fruit. The problem is, you know the history of Israel. They didn't do that, did they? For the most part, they were unfaithful and disobedient. And what this passage says and what Isaiah 5 says is that there is going to be a coming judgment for those who are unfaithful. So Jesus was taking this idea that the Old Testament Jews had addressed to them by the prophet Isaiah, and he's addressing it to the people of his time. But you know what? I think through the Holy Spirit and through his word, it now could be addressed to us as well. You see, Jesus is saying it's time for you and I to bear much fruit and therefore be his disciples. And in bearing much fruit, we can do something together that we can never do apart. And that is, we connect with Christ together and can transform our world. And so that's the idea that I want us to get at. There are three ways that we can keep growing and receiving God's blessing. And the first thing is that we connect to Christ. He's the vine and we're the branches. Connect with Christ. The illustration that Jesus used explains this relationship between God, the Savior, and us, His people. You see, Jesus is the vine. He's the one that connects us to the Heavenly Father. But you and I have to connect to Him. Now, how does that happen? Uh, do trunks of trees or do vines decide suddenly to become part of a vine? No, you don't walk along and you see a, an oak tree with its branch on the ground and suddenly it jumps up and says, hey, I think I'm going to jump back onto that tree. No, in order for that to happen, you need a vine dresser to, to graft it in or it needs to grow out of that vine. It's the work of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we become part of the vine. You can't do it. I can't do it. Only He can do it. He picks us. He chooses us. And Jesus is that vine, and God is that vine dresser. He's the one who owns it all, and he keeps it growing and keeps it going. And then we, meaning local churches, are the branches. Now, again, this is something that we sometimes forget in our very individualistic culture. We think that I personally, me, Kevin, I'm a branch by myself. No, I'm nothing more than a twig. The branch is the church. The church, as in maybe this local congregation, and you bring all the branches together, and we become the universal church of Jesus Christ. But we have to connect with Christ. And he says, abide in me. That word abide means to remain, keep living in me. How do you live in him? Well, I think of it like this. Uh, you know, there's a child who's part of a family. 
And when that child is living with the family, whether it's an infant just brought home from the hospital or up into the very early teen years, they are dependent upon that family, aren't they? They need the family. They need it for clothing and for food and for shelter. Uh, They need it for teaching and training. Train up a child, the Bible says, right? And so you need that family. You have to be connected to that family. Now, a child might start to grow up, and as they become a teenager, what do they want to do? They want to cut from the vine and go off and be on their own and do their own thing. Eventually, they go off to college, many of them. Our oldest son, you know, he uh, wanted to go off to school so badly. And it wasn't because he wanted to go to this college or that college. It's because he wanted to go away away from this home. (laughs) He said, I want out of dad's home. I'm sick of dad telling me what to do. I'm tired of my mom telling me to clean up my room. I'm tired of all of this. I want to be on my own. And so he did so. But you know what happened eventually with both of our boys? They eventually moved home. Now, when they first went away to college, I'll be honest with you, that was a little bit painful. It was a little bit difficult to drop them off. And, you know, some people it's more so than for others. But you know how I felt when they came back home? Oh. Why, I really, your mom and I were having a great time, just the two of us. You, you really can't find an apartment, get with a friend maybe, you know, join the military or something. Please, just, just go off on your own. I say that jokingly, but you know, we're the same way. We often, uh, early on in our Christian life, begin to grow and we realize how dependent we are upon Christ and His church. But then something happens. We start to get selfish, and we start to rebel, and we want to be off on our own. But at some point, hopefully, prayerfully, if your parents brought you up in the church, or if uh, you were saved as an adult and it was real and sincere, you'll say, I'm going home. I'm going back home where I had value and where they cared about me where I knew I could rely on them and they would help me. And we do the same with the church. Jesus Christ welcomes us home when we repent of our sins. And so in order for us to grow in our faith, we have to connect with Christ, and that connection becomes permanent and eternal if it's real and sincere. You know, the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life include a lot of things. One of those is, is worshiping regularly with a Christian family. You know, you come to this place on a Wednesday night and you worship uh, through prayer and Bible study. Uh, you'll come back hopefully on Sunday morning and you'll worship with music and testimony and, and preaching of the Word. Uh, you'll gather in Sunday school rooms, where it, which is really worship as well. And as you do so, you worship and become connected again. Then we also listen to teaching. And you hear from teaching either from your pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a discipler who's doing it one-on-one with you. You know that, sadly, in my ministry, took me too long to realize the value and the importance 
of one-on-one or one-on-a-few discipleship. When I began to start discipling men in my church in that one-on-one or one-on-a-few way, uh, they started growing more quickly and more lasting and permanently. Two of those men are now in the pastorate in the ministry. It's not because of me. It's because I just got them connected to Christ and the Word and the Holy Spirit in them did the work. And there's another part, and that is repentance. We gather together to repent, to renew our Christian walk with Christ, to say, I have been disobedient in a certain area of my life. How have you been disobedient? Maybe you have been a self-centered person who you attend a building but you're really not connected to Christ when you come here. It's time to repent and make Him the center of your life. And if you will do so, you can grow in those blessings. He also teaches us to submit to the vine dresser. In John chapter 15, verse 2 and 3, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because, you, because of the word which I have spoken to you. He's talking to his disciples. He said, you've already had your cleansing. I've spoken to you. I've taught you. And you're ready to go. But there's a lot of people who don't have that yet. They need to reconnect with him. And so we need to submit to him if we want to reconnect to him. You can't. Connect with Christ unless you submit to some sometimes difficult things. And there's two things he talks about here. One is cutting off the dead branches. Church discipline can be painful. And I don't know how you practice church discipline or if you practice church discipline. What does that mean, church discipline? If you have a church member who's living in outward, open, and unrepentant sin, then... They need to be confronted, and if they're unwilling to repent, they need to be removed. At first, from any position of leadership and any position of service. And if then they still won't repent, what does Jesus tell them to do? He tells the early church, he says, treat them as if they are lost. Well, how do you treat lost people? Well, first of all, you don't make them an elder in your church, but you do love them and teach them the truth of the Word of God. And so hopefully we'll draw them and redeem them back into the church as a result of that. So we may need some some branch cutting. But he also says there might need to be some branch pruning. Have you ever been pruned? I'm not talking about literally. (laughs) You know, maybe you had literally have had some things removed uh, through a surgery of some sort. And that's a painful thing. But sometimes there are things in our lives that God says, I need to remove that. It could be sinful. Maybe there's sin in your life that he needs to remove. Or maybe it's not that it's wrong. It's just not what he wants in your life. You might have a call in your life to fulfill some purpose for his kingdom. And you're too busy doing something else instead. A lot of times God wants to remove good to replace it with better. And you're not hearing anything you've never heard before. The truth is there needs to be some cutting. And guess what cutting does? It hurts. There's suffering involved in it. Sometimes the circumstances in your life, God might use those 
to prune or to cut. Sometimes he uses other people, and you see what they're going through, and you learn from their example. A, wis a wisdom or a wise person is somebody who can look at your mistakes and learn from you so that you don't have to go through those same painful things. But too many of us, we don't learn from other people's mistakes, do we? We have to go through the pain ourselves. I always say this, don't waste the pain. Don't waste the pain in your life because God is using it to teach you something, prepare you in some way, or put you someplace where you can serve Him. Don't waste the pain. Anyway, any of that cutting, it, it involves change in your life. Now look down to verse 7. We're sort of jumping ahead a little bit. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. This, by the way, is one of the most misunderstood verses in Scripture. Are you saying that if I just ask God for something, He'll do it for me? Anything that I want. Ask whatever you desire. What's a desire? A desire is that you have a passion or hunger or want for something. Is that what that's saying? It seems like it. But what's the context been telling us? He is saying, ask whatever you wish for as you remain in me. As you remain in me, begin to ask. You know what God does? He always gives you what you ask for when you pray it from his word. There's a, a thing that I always like to say, and that is that God, when you ask for wisdom, will never say no. He'll never say no. When I was a kid, just a little bitty kid, I remember hearing the story of Solomon. And uh, we were at Faith Baptist Church in, back in Wisconsin when I was that age. And my Sunday school teacher taught us the story of Solomon. And I thought, wow, Solomon had a lot. And they talked about that story, you know, where he prayed for, for wisdom from God. And God gave him wisdom. And he became one of the wisest kings of all of Israel's history. Why is that so? Because when you pray for wisdom, God will always give it to you. And you know what wisdom does? It helps you make the right choices. It helps you make divinely inspired and blessed choices. And so my answer to your question is, this isn't a blank check for anything that anyone wants, but it is a blank check for the person who is in God's will, in the center of his will, and is praying according to God's will. He says, if you're in the middle of my will, whatever you ask for, I will give it. Because, by the way, I've already been prepping for it. I've already been getting you ready for that. And so I'm going to make that happen. And you know what God has? <laughs> He's got an unlimited bank account with which to answer our prayers. When you seek His will in your life and you ask Him to bring about His will and give you the wisdom to know what is His will... He's got everything you need. Someone said to me once, if, uh, if you think you've got a vision from God and you share it with somebody else and they laugh at you, chances are that's a vision from God. Because it'll be totally ridiculous for you to accomplish that entirely on your own. It'll take God bringing about miracles in your life. So he says, ask whatever you will according to my will. 
and I'll take care of it. But you have to remain in him. You have to live a lifestyle in connection to him. And he has so much to bless us with. Have you heard that phrase, you know, from the Old Testament, from Psalm 50, verse 10, where it says that he has the cattle on a thousand hills? You know, I've quoted that as if that means that God has everything and so we should never have to worry about whatever we want. And that's sort of true, but when you read it, it's interesting, the context of it. God may have the wealth of the creator of the universe, but you know what a lot of people to do, today do is they take that and say that they can have a health and wealth kind of life. You've heard these preachers, a lot of them, for some reason, they're the ones who end up on TV. I don't know why that is. <laughs> they're the ones who end up with the big, huge auditoriums. I, I don't understand that. You know, it, it's the, the people who are preaching faithfully the Word of God that end up in the smaller churches. But I think part of it is because people see what they're saying. If you just give me some money, God will bless you and, and pour forth. After all, he has the cattle on a thousand hills. But when you look at that context, what is he saying? He's saying that he has everything that we need. But you know what? We don't, he doesn't need anything from us. That's what Psalm 50 is telling us. He's got everything in the world. He owns it all. The cattle on a thousand hills. But he doesn't need anything from you. And you say, well, wait a minute. Doesn't he want me to serve him? Yes. Because you'll be blessed. Doesn't he want me to share my faith and, and be a witness? Yes. Because you'll be blessed. His whole plan is to work through us to bless us. And we connect with Him, and therefore we submit to Him. And when we submit to Him, ask for whatever we want, and He will supply it as we do His will, as we answer that call. Submit to Him, connect with Him, and then watch God bless your work. You know, I always think about a power strip. You know, power strips has a cable coming out of it. And now they got all kinds of fancy ones, you know, that do crazy, weird things. But essentially what it is, is one end that connects to electricity, and the other end supplies electricity. And you can connect all kinds of things. You know, you have power strips that have three, pro three outlets, and you got them that have ten outlets, and you got them all kinds of outlets, right? But what would happen if you took the end that receives the electricity and plugged it into the end that gives the electricity. What would happen? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> It'd be totally useless. But when we connect to the Lord, we become the source of power. We really become the conduit of His power. And we can do so much. And so God is there for us. He's the vine dresser. Jesus Christ is the vine. And you connect with Him. And when we do that, and we connect together, and here's what I say. Remember I told you I've been saying one thing everywhere I go. Here's what I say. I say, Jesus is better. Better than what? You name it. Any other source of strength or wisdom or uh, uh, philosophy or, or whatever it is. 
happiness, joy, whatever. Jesus is better than all of that. And we are better when we serve him together. And so my plea and my hope is that you will do that in your family. You'll do that here in your church family. And that we as church families will do it together in the Brushy Mountain Baptist Association. Because we are better when we serve him together. We desperately need this. You know that 20% of the churches in our state do not currently have a pastor. We need to find some way to raise up pastors who can go into those churches. And most of those churches will never be able to afford to pay a pastor a full-time salary. Half of the pastors in our convention of Southern Baptists are older than I am. You look at me and you, you know, I could maybe ask you, can you guess? I'm 54, about to be. Half of them are older than me. That means that in about 10 to 12 to 15 years, half of all pastors will be retired. That's kind of scary to think about, isn't it? We need to raise up some more. And 90%, actually it's now more than that, about 92%, according to a recent survey that I saw, of churches in our country, evangelical, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches, are either declined or staying the same. And if you're not growing, you're not keeping up with the growth. And we desperately need to come together because Christ has the power to solve these problems, and he has the means, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is better, and we will all be better when we serve him together. So my prayer is that you will make that commitment, that you'll pray for us as we try to do so here in Wilkes County and around the world, that you will get involved personally. What are you doing to serve the Lord? And that you will pray for and support your pastor as he leads this church to be that kind of church that's going and growing, not necessarily bigger, but going and growing in their discipleship and disciple-making. The numbers will take care of themselves. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for all that you want to do through us, and Lord, we're thankful for what you have taught us I pray, God, that you would help each person in this room to say, I need to reconnect to Christ. Maybe there's somebody here tonight who says, you know, I have been walking far away from the Lord, and it's time for me to repent and renew my commitment. And if that's you tonight, I pray that you'll do just that. Quietly pray, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. I believe in you. I've been saved, but I've been, I've been walking far away from you, and I need to return and reconnect with you, and be obedient to you. Father, I pray that as people pray a prayer like that, that you will instill in them a hunger and a desire to serve you, to connect through your word and through their uh, time of rich and, and wonderful prayer. Lord, I pray for this church as it tries to reach the people of Wilkesboro. I pray for uh, their pastor, Dr. Chris Hefner, as he leads them, their deacons or, or their elders, uh, their other leaders in this church, help them all uh, to put your word in the center of their hearts and put their, their lives along your path because you have said 
that if we trust in you with all of our heart and don't lean on our understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge or worship or follow you, then you will direct and guide us in those paths of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.